The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Study. Beam us up. Welcome to Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show for anyone who has ever been curious about what the big deal is about Star Trek, but you really don't want to invest 770 plus hours to consume all of the content. So we're doing it in a select run of episodes that will give anyone really a pretty encompassing understanding of what star trek is all about but before we get into that if you get a chance this week head on over to beamupod.com that is our official website for this podcast if you ever want to get in touch with us you'll find a plethora of ways to do so right at your fingertips also if you'd like to further support the show we've opened up a channel for you to do that as well fly on over to patreon.com slash beamupod and you'll find even more Star Trek content and one more super secret way that you can get in touch with Brent and I. Wonder what that's all about. Hey, Matt, today's episode is from season three of The Next Generation titled Hollow Pursuits, or as I like to call it, Alan Mad Reginald. <laughs> yes, this is Hollow Pursuit, H O L L O W, not H O L O. Yep. Matt, you almost nailed that one with me last last week. It's it's true. I I think like you 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 said hollow pursuits, and I'm like my my instinct went to hollow. Like I I, I hate to bring it up again, but Godric's hollow. Uh-huh. But then I'm like, wait, no, this is Star Trek. Uh-huh. Sometimes they're clever with their naming titles, and they could be spelled the other way. And little did I know that they were really clever, and it kind of had double meaning. But and they spelled it this way right yep. yeah exactly exactly so good on you man that's that's a couple weeks Thanks. in a row here you've had a you've had a couple good predictions coming out there or, or at least questions <laughs> uh in, in case it's been a while since you guys out there in the podcasting world have uh in case it's been a while since you've seen this episode this is the one where we meet for the very first time lieutenant reginald barclay the socially anxious guy who's got a bit of an addiction to the holodeck now, Matt, we're going to get into this episode. We're going to go through. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to go through everything that this episode had to offer. But before we get into that, we've got our character spotlights and stuff we're going to take a look at today. Give us a quick overview. Like, what did you think of this episode? I'm quickly finding that episodes that deal with the holodeck uh-huh. kind of get 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 a few bonus points from me. Okay. So, so you that, so you're digging the holodeck episodes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. I'm like uh, that by the way. There's some people who don't I, like holodeck episodes. <laughs> I love holodeck episodes. Yeah, I I I mean obviously you're showing me the good ones, but I there there there's something about it. Maybe it's just, you know, technology that we 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 don't quite have yet mm-hmm. type of thing right and something for me to look forward to it's like what can they do and i i think more than anything is what are they going to do with it because it's not just going to be your standard oh we're on a ship flying through space land on a planet and do our thing it's like mm-hmm. no we're playing with holodeck we can do anything right let me let me ask you this and if we're going to talk about this later just stop me and say we'll talk about it later sure, but sure. Have you have you gotten to a spot with a holodeck where like 
like in your head, you go, okay, I know about the size of this actual room on the ship, but because of the magic of the hollow deck, it really can be as big and expansive as they need it to be. And the characters can be separated by whatever, even though they're like three feet away and they can't hear each other when they're yelling. Like, (laughs) is that like suspension of disbelief there for you? Like, like you're good with it now, or does it just, does it still bug you or, or you know, how you feel about that? I tend to not think about it too much anymore. I I mean, (laughs) I I can't say that it doesn't bother me, but I I usually just let it go and let the, like I said last week and I'll say it again this week, uh, let the episode take me where it wants to. There you go. There you go. And you'll be a better for it. You'll enjoy the episodes better if you don't try to really figure those pieces out and just go, Hey, it works in their world, you know? Mm Well, Matt, before we get into the episode, uh, we do have a character spotlight. As you may have guessed, uh, we have a character spotlight we want to get into. Actually, we're going to do two of them today. Okay. Um, the first one is, of course, our major, major guest star for the show, Lieutenant Reginald Barclay, played by the incomparable Dwight Schultz. Now, Matt, sure. when you when you saw this guy, do you do you recognize him from any other production out there? Like, do you know who he is? I can't say that I do. Okay. You didn't catch my reference earlier when I called him Howlin' Mad Reginald. Nope. Okay, great. So um, Dwight Schultz is, he is a veteran of the television, uh, both film and uh, TV. He's also a veteran of the theater. Like this guy, this guy's a major actor. Okay. okay. Particularly through the seventies and the eighties and, and those kinds of things. Um, he is the guy who is best known for his role as Howlin' Mad Murdoch from the A-Team. Okay. From that series. Now, that one may have been a bit before your time. Did you ever watch the television show, The A-Team? I have seen a few episodes. Okay. And like, I I, I mean, it's obviously. It's very 80s television. Y- yes, it's very <laughs> 80s for sure. Right. And I mean, the most notable character for me out of there is going to be, you know, Mr. T. Mr. T, right. right. Like, if, if, if I had to name a member of the A-Team, it's like, well, yeah, that's him. Uh-huh. The rest of them. I couldn't really tell you when you, when you said Murdoch, mm-hmm. like that name kind of clicked. Right. But I wouldn't have been able to give it to you. Right. Prior. Did you, did you ever see the movie that came out? I want to say maybe 2010, maybe 2008, I somewhere around there. I don't think I did. Okay. First of all, if you haven't seen that movie, Matt, it's a, <laughs> it's a good movie. Like it's, it's, it's a popcorn muncher. Let's go have fun. Just, just movie. And it start. it has like Bradley Cooper and, um, it's got Liam Neeson and, and the guy that plays Murdoch in that movie, Charlton something or other, he's hilarious. Um, <laughs> okay. you know, but, but anyway, it's, uh, that's where really where his main claim to fame really is, is out of the A team. And, okay. and that's where people know him from. And, and he, he plays on that show, on that, on that show. Yeah. A, a guy who really, he might be absolutely crazy or maybe he's com- like the most sane person of the entire bunch. And you're never really sure, <laughs> you know, but he really is a little, you know, he, he's a little out there. Um, sure. a, a little fun note in that movie that I just, just mentioned the, yeah. the 2000, I want to say it was 2008. I could be wrong. Um, Dwight Schultz, along with one of his other uh, castmates from the television show did make a small cameo in the show or in the movie. Mm-hmm. And his character's name in the movie was Reginald Barclay. <laughs> so, okay. So there it is. Uh, now I got to tell you though, um, a team was still a little bit before my own time. I do remember watching it as a kid, but that yeah. was more because my parents had it on and Mr. T was cool. Sure. You know what I mean? So, but I, I never really got into it until, well, even as an adult, I've never really gotten into it. I, I'll be honest with you. No, it's, yeah. it's, uh, 
Uh, it's a good show back then. It's probably worth a reboot. Like, you know, they're rebooting all these old television shows. It's probably time, you know, to, to give possible. it a good one. I mean, they, if they thought it was good enough to make that movie, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you feel it's almost them testing the waters. Oh, the movie was so good. It really, it, it's, it's just that you could just turn it on at any moment and anytime and just, you can watch it for 20 minutes or you could watch it for the full length of the film. It can be on in the background while you're doing house. It's just, it's one of those kind of movies, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't have to get into it and you, it's really easy to get out of it. What anyway. Um, but I got to tell you the role that I personally know him best in is right here as Reginald Barclay. Uh, mm-hmm. He will uh, come back through 11 episodes of star Trek. I don't mind telling you. So he'll be around. Um, okay, that answers and, one question. Yeah, he will, he will be around. <laughs> and I, I have no qualms uh, telling you that um, he'll actually be back for one of the movies for next generation. And we'll see that movie. So, I, you know, we're going to get to know Reginald uh, uh, quite a bit. What's most interesting to me, though, is really how he came to this role. All right. Because once okay. again, we have a famous person who is a <laughs> Trekkie in their personal life, leveraging their fame to get into the show. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he did. Now, in this particular case, it came through somebody else who had also done that. Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, <laughs> Schultz and Whoopi Goldberg were doing a movie together. Uh, Whoopi had already pl- been playing Guinan uh, for a season on yeah. Next Generation while they were, were doing it. Whoopi really liked him as an actor. Uh, she, she came to know him and liked him as an actor. And so she went back to the production to Rick Berman and the staff and said, hey, we should get this guy a role on the show. And they like were tickled to death to have it. And so they actually wrote this role specifically for him. Okay. So it wasn't just a, Hey, we've got this role. Let's fit him in here. Like, no, this is the one that they, that they wrote for him. So that's Dwight Schultz, uh, Howlin' Mad Murdoch slash Reginald Barclay. And, uh, man, he's just, he's, he's a great actor. He really is. And, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get into that as we get into this episode. The other actor spotlight or character spotlight I want to do, I, I figure this actually might be as good a time as any to go ahead and let's talk about our very own Lieutenant Jordy LaForge. Sure. AKA LeVar Burton. Yes, sir. Hey, did you know that Jordy LaForge is played by the same guy that was Kunta Kinte in Roots and that reading Rainbow guy? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard something about that. All right. The end. That's it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I he's kind of like Whoopi Goldberg to me. Like he comes with his own set of fame before he ever got to this role, you know? Yeah, I, I, and, and, and that's actually, I mean, as I've expressed multiple times, that's mm-hmm. like the one person I probably knew the most about sure well, eh, except maybe patrick stewart but like right yeah, lavar yeah. burton is just yeah I, I i know who he is and i and i can remember in my very early days of trek like i would see lavar burton in there as jordy and I'd go oh hey that's cool he's you know he's uh he's a character on star trek that's funny he's like a guest actor <laughs> and then he was in the next episode and then like yeah you know there's like occasionally like jordy's not in an episode or like he's only in like one scene and then like all of a sudden he's out of the episode and then he's in an episode and i I was like wow he just he keeps coming back as a guest star and then you go (laughs) oh no actually he's part of the regular cast like you know uh i thought he would be more like kind of like a would be a good example like a miles o'brien type character you know the transporter Mm -hmm. chief like he just Mm -hmm. sort of pops up every now and again yeah yeah. but no every every third or fifth episode yeah right 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 uh but no lavar you know lavar was in it um now Obviously, LeVar has done tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of work. Um, but like one of his uh, castmates, Jonathan Frakes, Burton would eventually become interested in directing. And so like his co-star, he went to directing school and he got his first episode to direct in season six of Next Generation. I'm not sure yet if we're going to watch it or not. We'll find out when we get there. But <laughs> uh, he would actually go on to become a fairly prolific director in his own right. So much so 
that LeVar Burton is one of only five directors to get to direct at least one episode in every live action spinoff of Star Trek. Interesting. That's something that not even Frakes has done. Hmm. So, uh, so he, so that, and that actually puts Jordy or not Jordy, it puts LeVar, I believe is the only actor who turned director to have that, that, uh, I don't know what you call it, that, uh, stat line. I don't know. I'm a sports guy that, that, you know, to, ha- to have that <laughs> little accolade. Yeah. Credit, I guess. Yeah, sure. There you go. Um, now as far as his post Star Trek career, obviously he's continued to act. He's lent his voice to a lot of anime animation, mm-hmm. including, and you guessed it, gargoyles. <laughs> Just, surprise, surprise. <laughs> just like so many seriously people out there if you've not watched gargoyles go watch gargoyles <laughs> and if you have watched gargoyles then you're really okay with me saying this because you know how great it is all right matt well i guess that's gonna do it this is the part where we're gonna start going through the show and i'll turn it over to you uh mm-hmm. you'll kind of drive the ship and i'll just you know describe the scenes and uh we'll, we'll talk about the show and talk to us about how you experienced this particular episode because this episode i think has some good stuff to say, mm-hmm. you know, some things that people can definitely, definitely relate to. So what? Oh, actually, I guess let me just say this one production note. Well, wait a minute. Do I want to save this for the end? Hmm. Live producing. This is great podcasting right now. <laughs> Three, uh, two. Yeah. Now I'll save this one. for the end if we don't get to it. Um, All right. So anyway, um, because it actually might be a better conversation once we've gone through it. So anyway, prologue. On a dark, cold afternoon in the middle of space, a stranger strolls on to ten forward. Deanna is eyeing him as he walks by in a pretty blue dress. Guinan says she don't want no trouble from him as he pours his own drink in the bar there, and Jordy is looking for him. You're on duty, Lieutenant Barclay. Hey, pal, I'll do what I want. And right now, I want to give you a little shove. And then Jordy flops harder than Reggie Miller playing the Knicks. <laughs> oh, Riker watching from the other end of the bar has had enough that's insubordination Mr. Barclay Deanna continues to look on oh yeah well hey Riker now I want to put you in a headlock I'm a tough guy and oh yeah I'm gonna get your girl Barclay saunters over to Deanna who's getting all hot and bothered by his arrogant resolve just as he gets close enough for a kiss Lieutenant Barclay to the cargo bay now oh well Computer, save program. And Barclay, not nearly as resolved, walks out of the holodeck. Wow. That <laughs> that is an opening. I What I mine had, or the shows? Uh, both. <laughs> both. But like I had no idea what was going on here. I, uh-huh. I I'm sitting there like, okay, wow. I've never met this guy, but Guinan certainly doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. This, this this could be interesting. Like, I've never seen that from Guinan before. Right. So, uh, okay, sure. Um, so, like, that was a little off-putting to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Jordy taking charge. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Right. But then when he gets shoved and Riker steps in, I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't like that nobody's going to help Jordy. Uh-huh. I, I like that Riker stepped in, but oh, wait, now he's messing with Riker. I'm like, what, what is going on here? Right. What is this guy's deal? Like, is he trying to get kicked off the ship? <laughs> I, and, and then as like the next scene, they show Jordy like running out the door and like, why has no one like called for security yet? Right. What I, I, I don't understand how this ship works. Apparently like normally when anything happens, the first thing we do is like call the captain. Right. <laughs> like we, we do, we do have a security team. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. What's going on? 
Because actually, uh, did we decide this Worf's job now, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, Worf's the security chief. Yes. Okay, so speaking of Has people... Has been, by the way, for like a season <laughs> yes. and a half now, yeah. Who, who don't show up very often. Uh-huh. Worf, I think he had like one line in this episode. Did he really? I, don't yeah. know, I didn't even notice. It, okay. it, it was like two-thirds of the way through. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, we haven't heard from Worf yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But then, yeah, he, he was gone again. But anyway. Yeah, he was off making uh, Star Trek 6 at this time, I think. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. I really don't. So. <laughs> he wasn't directing this episode, was he? No, 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 he wasn't. This was okay. Cliff Boyle. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just so much going on here. And then as soon as like he goes over by Troy and like she's all like attracted to him and stuff and like mm-hmm. wait is he like magic did he put a spell on people wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. what did you do when he put Riker into a headlock <laughs> I well one I wasn't sure why Riker wasn't fighting back more okay right and two uh, like like I said he's he's just trying to get kicked off the ship mm-hmm. that the, the, there, there's no way he's he's coming out on top of the situation here and staying on the ship he's gone mm-hmm. so so then, it, so then he gets close to Deanna and then yep. hey computer and, save program and then it all clicks and like okay okay <laughs> take a step back take a deep breath mm-hmm. we're on the holodeck I feel slightly better about the scenario, <laughs> right? But it is very clear uh-huh. that whatever's going on, this guy needs some help. <laughs> Fair enough. L- 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 like that, that right. that's all there is to it. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't care if, if this is holodeck or not, mm-hmm. if this is how you're behaving with people, you know, because mm-hmm. we'll get into that later, you know, how kind of weird that is. But mm-hmm. I, it, it, it's he needs help he needs help yeah 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 it i mean it, it's certainly a thing i mean i gotta tell you though i i don't if i had access to a holodeck mm-hmm. there might be you know like i know i've been mad at people enough or have had issues with people enough that i might go play out certain you know go replay certain events again or you know do, do something and like I, I don't like i could i honestly could see myself doing this now <laughs> I don't know that I would lose myself in the holodeck the way that Reginald Barclay does that we'll find out how he does later, but (laughs) I could see myself trying out something like this with people I know, like as characters in the holodeck. Yeah. I I mean, I get it to some extent, Uh but he, I think one of the biggest, like the characters he has programmed into the holodeck Mm -hmm. do not fully accurately represent the real life people mm-hmm. right right, so I, right. I, like i mean yeah their bodies are there the images mm-hmm. are there but they're still off yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. they're they're off and and so he, like he but they're but they're the way he wants them to be yes well, well yeah. he's he's manifesting what's in his head like right. how he, how he thinks he's being treated uh-huh. so and yeah as, as as troy gets into later it's like yeah this this could be a great tool to kind of you know, analyze what's going on in his head mm-hmm. because until, <laughs> we'll get there yeah. until she sees something yeah. <laughs> that, that hits a little too close to home. Well, I, I mean, and, and I think one of the things that is, it's why Dwight Schultz is so great in this role, the way he switches from arrogant resolve Barclay on the holodeck mm-hmm. and, and I mean, just melts right into, um, and, and I'm going to use the phrase socially anxious. And I don't know if that is, the correct like psychological term 
or, or medical term, because he's not socially awkward. You know, some people are just socially awkward, like they just don't mm-hmm. know how to behave around other people. He actually, he's more than just awkward. Yeah. Like he's full on anxious around other people, as we'll see here in the next scene down on the cargo bay. Jordy is complaining about Barclay to Riker. We don't know how long Barclay's really been on the Enterprise, but Jordy can't take it anymore. Riker suggests that they talk to the captain about Mr. Broccoli. Uh, I mean, uh, Mr. Barclay. <laughs> That's a cute nickname that Wesley made up, but don't you tell anybody, Jordy. Barclay enters the cargo bay and he's nervous, almost to the point of stuttering, but not actually stuttering. He doesn't really have an excuse for being late. Jordy doesn't really want to hear it anyway. There's an anti-grav unit not functioning properly, and he wants Barclay to work on it. Riker has a short chat with Barclay. He's tired of seeing Barclay's name on report. This is the Enterprise. We do things better here. And with that, Riker saunters out of the cargo bay as if he just put Barclay in a headlock. And we go to credits. Yeah, so it was interesting how this was written Mm -hmm. for them because right after we see kind of what I I felt was very out of character, not not, not completely out of character, but mm-hmm. at least exaggerated in some way. Jordy and Riker, mm-hmm. we flip and see it's like, oh, that's kind of how they have been acting recently, apparently. Yeah. Or, I mean, at, at least towards Reginald, you know, yes. uh, in a yes. way that, that affects him. And, you know, I, there are some people who take issue with Jordy and Riker specifically in this issue be, or in this episode because they don't seem to be acting the way that we have come to know them over the over the years so far. Uh, but, but once again, this is this is the. Oh, no, I, I, if you want almost a downfall of Star Trek that we've mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. to, in order to see the change in the episode, we need the characters to act slightly out of character at the beginning of the episode. Right. But see, I would I would argue, though, that this might actually be the true like Riker and Jordy when they're dealing with their you know, like because we're, we're watching them deal with issues on the ship that are that are day to day issues. You know, they're not, they're not in front of some alien. Like this is all within the family. Right. Yeah. And, and I think Jordy says it best in a little bit, Mm -hmm. but he he says, I always thought I could work with anybody, but I just don't understand this guy. Yeah. And I think that that's what they're dealing with. That that's, you know, Mm -hmm. their monster of the week. Right. right? Oh, sure. Sure. Is, is, is dealing with a coworker that you don't understand. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not something to be overlooked. It's, and that's why I feel that they are acting a little bit different than, than we've come to know them because it is different for them because this is a new situation for them. Mm -hmm. So of course they're going to react differently to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I think it shows just a different, uh, different example. I know that when I have been a manager, Mm -hmm. like when I've been a boss, there are some employees that, that for whatever reason, they rub me the wrong way mm-hmm. or they're just not good employees. Yep. A bar, I mean, and, and I'm not talking about somebody that I just, that's just weird and I just don't like, but I mean, I'm talking about the person who is always late. I can't get a straight answer out of them. When I ask them a question, it takes them 10 minutes just to answer the question. Yep. When all I need is just give me a yes or no, buddy. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I, we need to work. And, and especially if I'm dealing with this person for weeks on end, months on end, yeah. it gets frustrating. And I may turn into a person that quite honestly, most people don't really recognize mm-hmm. just in dealing with this person. You know what I mean? So, 
Um, honestly, quite, it's possible. I may occasionally do that with my children, <laughs> you know, like dad, oh, wow. Dad's dad's mean today. Well, no, it's just, he's tired of putting up with your crap anyway. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, cause you get the idea too, that, uh, he's a relatively new addition to the ship. Uh-huh. But we, and, it's like, he's new, but not like he just came on board two days ago. Uh, no, no. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's why you see the change kind of, mm-hmm. because it, it's like they've been working with him for a week or two or three, whatever it was, maybe, mm-hmm. and nothing's changed. Nothing's gotten better. Mm-hmm. He hasn't acclimated to their ship yet. And, and that's why it's frustrating. Right, right. Well, act one, Let's go through this. Act one, the Enterprise is ferrying special tissue samples that might be helpful in curtailing an outbreak of Cordelian fever on a distant planet. It's not really important to the plot. It's just what moves us forward. Yep. Back in the cargo bay, they're testing Barclay's report or repaired anti-grav unit, but that goes bad. It shouldn't be doing that. In the ready room, LaForge and Riker are talking to Picard about broccoli. Uh, I mean, Barclay. <laughs> Riker throws Wesley under the bus, but hey, you know, it's kind of caught on. Well, let's get that uncut, shall we? It seems that Barclay has served well for years. He's consistently receiving satisfactory reports. In fact, his last captain spoke very, very highly of him. Riker wonders if this isn't just people trying to pass him along, as if one problem passing on to somebody else just to get rid of him. Picard isn't so satisfied with that answer. He's unwilling to let that happen here. Jordy, he's under your command. He's your guy. Get to know him. Make him your best friend. Help him get out of his shell. Despite Jordy's protest of not even being able to stand being in the same room with the guy, Picard tells him, put your personal feelings aside. Dismissed. Yeah. So, I mean, would you really expect any other response from Picard? No. And this is why he's a great leader. Yes. No, you're not going to pass this problem along. (laughs) Like, like, I don't care if people are just passing him along. Like, we're going to... We're not going to stoop to their level kind of thing. So, it's... My favorite line he gives him is uh, it was something along the lines of make him find a way for him to make a positive contribution. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something I, I was in a book I was reading recently and it it's all that's that's a fantastic way to look at things mm-hmm. is don't you can't always sit there and say you know i can't do this or this isn't going to happen or there's no way we could possibly complete this task because you got to turn that around and mm-hmm. just think think of think of it in terms of contributions right and if if you go through your day and just don't limit yourself and at, at, at the end of your day to day just experiment with this for one day mm-hmm. you get to the end of your day write down how you were a contribution okay j- j- just try it sometime it, it, it's it's an, mm-hmm. i'm probably not explaining it very well but it's interesting to see how much that can change your mindset of things mm-hmm. realizing how much you actually do accomplish throughout the day when right, you just right, right. Just, okay, just, just just by yeah. thinking about it as what uh, what did you contribute to uh-huh. throughout the day? Yeah, uh, I know I, that can that can definitely be something when you don't feel like you're doing anything to sit down and go, okay, what did I actually do today? And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you look down at your list and you go, huh, 
actually, I, I did some stuff. I didn't yeah. doesn't feel I, like it, but I did. I, 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 yeah, and, yeah you, you, you never know what those little contributions will, mm-hmm. you know, kind of build up to. Or if you, I mean, it could just be one nice thing you did for somebody, you know, sure. turn their day around completely. Sure. So, and I think that's what Picard is getting at here. Yeah. It's like, just don't, don't look at what he's doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Look at how he can actually help or how he, he is helping. Yeah. It's well, I mean, it, it, a part of leadership is leading your people in such a way that they get the win, that, that mm-hmm. they are the ones who are contributing, not that you're doing it all, but you're making it possible for your people to do it. Or let's put it in sports world. The job of a coach is to put their player in the best position to succeed, Yeah, to put their players into the best position to win. And when each player is winning in their position, guess what happens? Generally your team wins. Yes. Right. And, and what I really love about Picard is he doesn't jump in it. Like he does to Jordy, what he's asking Jordy to do for Barclay continue. Like as Picard is leading Jordy, he is, he is, he's not, he's not answering Jordy's question for him. He's not giving Jordy the answer. He's not doing it sure. for him. He's mm-hmm. saying, Jordy, this is your problem as a manager, as a leader, as a senior staff yep. member, whatever, yep. whatever phrase you want to call it. You've got to go lead your guy. Yep. And here's, you know, he, and he coaches him a little bit. Here's some ways you can do that. Yep. He, I, I, I see how I am leading you. Now yeah. you go lead him. Exactly. It's, it's that, it's certainly that mm-hmm. idea. And it's where I know I've said to you a few times and, and I'll continue. To say, I mean, Picard, especially out of all the star Starfleet captains, though, you could really do a study in all the captains, but Picard, especially is such a great leader, you know, and, and I, I love watching and this, this episode in particular is one of one of my personal favorites when it comes to watching that particular idea. All right, moving on. Uh, Jordy reenters the cargo bay to find Barclay in there alone in the dark, still working on the anti-grav unit. Hey, Reg, old buddy, old pal. How's it going? Uh, fine. An awkward conversation follows about Reg's work. Ultimately, Jordy invites Reg to come join him for the morning briefing with his senior officers. He wants Barkley's input, or at least he wants him to feel a part of it, I guess. Reg gets a little freaked out, but he says, okay, he'll be there and he'll be on time. Boy, that was weird. <laughs> so, yeah, the, d- just at this interaction here, uh-huh. I... I hate to say it, but this dude does not seem that bright. Talking about who? LaForge or Barclay? Barclay. Barclay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, to me, Jordy takes Picard's advice to heart, mm-hmm. tries to, you know, go in and make him his best bud. Uh-huh. Like he starts calling him Reg and yep. buddy, and like he he doesn't seem to like catch on mm-hmm. that you know hey there there there's a change in my demeanor there's a change in my tone in my attitude in my speech towards you that uh-huh. would indicate a more you know casual light atmosphere mm-hmm. and and he's but it's just so weird like, it's so awkward though I I understand I, I have been there and it's I out of nowhere right. <laughs> I, as weird as this may sound, uh-huh. I've tried, do you have, do you have siblings? Uh, not really. I have okay. two older stepbrothers that were both out of the house before okay. my parents got married. So yeah, not so, really. So, so yeah, you, 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 you might not have really experienced this, but uh-huh. I, I've tried to do this with my brother. Mm-hmm. Granted it was high school and high school teenage boys are weird and very mistrusting at times. Okay. So I kind of understand it, but 
there came a point in our high school career where, you know, we were just, you know, clashing all the time and, and we hung out with the same people and it just, it, it wasn't pretty. And so like one night I just sat him down. It's like, Hey, I want to get along. Mm-hmm. We're going to be hanging out a lot together. I just want to get along. And like, no matter what I said, he's like, yeah, I, I I don't believe you. What, 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 what are you trying to do? What's up your sleeve? <laughs> uh-huh. Like I, I, he, he, he was sure I had some ulterior motive. Right. I'm like, no dude, I just, I, I, I want to make this as comfortable as possible for both of us. And you're I, my I, brother. I, yeah. <laughs> right. I, but yeah, I, it just like, I get that, that when someone tries to, you know, flip that switch and make a, a instantaneous change, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be super weird, super awkward. But how else are you supposed to do it? I mean, do, do you do you really want to drag that out over the course of three weeks, or just right, say, right, no, right. hey, things need to change. I understand this. Let's change them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the problem is, is Jordy, Jordy though, it, it, like he's approaching this as if as if he's trying to ask somebody out on a date. Like, <laughs> I, like that. At least that's the vibe that I get, Matt. I don't know about you. Like he's like. Hey Reg, what's up, pal? Oh, so that oh that that's really great what you're doing. Oh no, that's that's cool. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, sh- all right. Well, hey, I'm gonna get going. Um, oh hey, by the way, tomorrow morning you want to you know come join me for a little uh, senior staff meeting? What do you think? Yeah, huh? I, you I, and me. I, huh? I, I eight o'clock. I get you. I I'll get you. Like, I just, it, I mean, Jordy isn't the best at this yet, and I wouldn't necessarily expect him to. Like, he's. Mm-hmm. He's diving in as well. And I think honestly, it just goes to show that 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 conversation that you had with your brother. Okay, let me ask mm-hmm. you this: teenage boy having that conversation with your brother. Granted, but I don't care whether you're a teenage boy or whether you're twenty, thirty something year old, whatever. Was it awkward to have that conversation at all for you? I mean, it was awkward to get it started for sure. That's what I, I'm talking I, about. Yes, I mean, that's exactly yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like even just to kind of you know pull them off in a room to ourselves and say hey i want to talk to you yeah 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 and i i think that just goes to show for everyone like for everyone out there right these these what what you could call crucial conversations like the these Mm -hmm. big conversations that have to be had they're always awkward yeah it's just a fact of life i don't care who you are they're just they're always awkward yeah you you have to have two very specific personalities for it not to be awkward Uh uh-huh uh-huh absolutely absolutely and just Makes me glad that I don't have to go ask people out on dates or anything anymore. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty confident when I ask my wife out, like she's going to say yes or give me a really good reason when she says no and we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but hey, anyway, the next morning in engineering at 0800 hours or 800 mm-hmm. hours, Matt, there you go. Not yeah, 0800. Yeah. <laughs> Jordy has his own way of doing things. Right, right. At 800 <laughs> hours. 800 hours. Yep. The senior staff of engineering assembles sans Barclay. Well, all right. But hey, no worries. Barclay shows up at 0830 seconds. Yep. So big deal, right? It's a typical <laughs> meeting handing out assignments for the day. Jordy wants Barclay to bring everybody up to speed on the anti-grav failure. Barclay, not really stuttering, still has a hard time of getting anything out of his mouth as the rest of the team are visibly visibly put off by this guy. Wesley, just trying to help, actually makes Reg feel about, oh, teeny tiny, this little big. Uh, you know, kind of going, hey, you should try this. We'll try that. And, you know, playing Mr. Fix-It, being a guy. <laughs> it's 
one way of putting it. I, yeah. I, I mean, he, he's just being Wesley, like mm-hmm. uh, tr- trying to, like, mm-hmm. to some extent, still prove that he should be where he is. Sure, and he was just doing. He was just doing what I think most guys do. Oh, here's a problem. Let me help try to fix it. Yeah, I, and and so like, I I I totally understand why Reg is kind of put off by it. Uh-huh. Like, it, it it would be rough for anybody. You know, I I I, I hate to say it because I have spoken well <laughs> how much we shouldn't think this way, but mm-hmm. someone Wesley's age to jump in and say, hey. I got your back. I can fix your problem for you, even mm-hmm. though I'm 10, 20 years, your your junior. Right. And, and like, it shouldn't be like that. But if you're not used to it, mm-hmm. like you said, he, he's still new to the ship. Like if Wesley would do this to any other officer on the ship, he's probably done it to him a dozen times before. So like, okay, that's gotcha, Wes. Thanks. Mm-hmm. But this may be the first time he's done this to him. And it's like, oh, um, yeah, but yeah. Mm. You didn't let me fit. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, the, the, the stammering nature of his speech doesn't help. No. Because no. everybody's kind of sitting there waiting. They've given their reports very succinctly, mm-hmm. coherently. And now they're waiting for him. And it's like, spit it out already. Mm-hmm. What What are you waiting for? It's so, so Wesley's just like, oh, I, well, I have a solution. If you're not going to share yours, I'll share mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me run this idea past you, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that in my adult life, I have kind of come to understand. And I don't know that this is fully fleshed out, but I, I'll just bounce it off of you. Go for it. I, you've, have you ever heard of the the idea that perception is reality? I've heard the phrase. Yeah. And I think this is a really great example of people's perception is their reality. So put yourself in the position of Duffy, you know, one of those engineering guys there, right? You're listening to this guy. You've been working with him. Man, this guy just puts you off and you're hearing him again, not stuttering, but really struggling just to get anything out. And then like Wesley chimes in and all of a sudden he just, he turns into a little mouse. Well, I was going to try that. And, you know, I, 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 what is your impression of Barclay at that point? I mean, what are, what are you thinking if you're the other engineering guy who, you know, shows up to work on time every day, you know, your stuff, you contribute to the team. Mm-hmm. Why is this guy here? Why do I have to deal with this guy on my team? Like this guy yeah. doesn't know what he's doing. Like that doesn't mean that Barclay really doesn't know what he's doing, but that's, that's like, I would assume that's their impression. Like I, uh- I would agree that that's their their impression. Yeah. Like asking me is, is is a bad idea because I think I actually kind of can relate to Barkley a bit. Right. Yeah, uh, me too. By uh, the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my bad. Me in high school, I mean that uh, it's it wasn't a pretty picture, mm-hmm. and yeah, th- th- there are a lot of things that he does and says and how he acts when he he's out there in the real world with people mm-hmm. that I, I understand that behavior. Right. And so w- when I see that, you know, th- th- there's part of me that wants to say, shut up, Wesley. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I understand where Barkley's coming from and what he's dealing with a little bit. And mm-hmm. I, let him say his piece because you jumping in there isn't helping the situation. Right. No, I'll get you on that. I guess at that. the same time, like I, I still want to see Wesley shine. So as he still, you, you mentioned a, a while back, like he's kind of becoming your favorite character. Is, is, is mm-hmm. he still kind of your favorite character you think on, on the ship right now? We haven't seen a lot of him lately. So, True. so I, yeah. I mean, 
I, not that that necessarily takes away from me liking him, but mm-hmm. it, it, you know, nothing to, detri- I guess, hasn't really detracted from me uh-huh. liking him and it hasn't really added to me liking him. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I still very much enjoy, enjoy his enjoy character. Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, in the counselor's office, Reg is talking to Deanna. I knew about the flux capacitor. I didn't need to hear some daggum 17 year old kid tell me about it. Oh, geez, Reg, why are you so hard on yourself? Well, Deanna, you just wouldn't know how hard it is out there. You need to relax, Reg. Here, let me help you relax by kissing you. And Deanna <laughs> plants one right on the smacker. Reg is in the mood for something a little more unusual. Hey, computer, run Barclay program 15. Hey, wait a minute. We're not in the counselor's office. We're in the holodeck again. They did it to us again, Matt. As soon as, you know, Deanna started acting differently, uh-huh. I'm like, okay, we're in the holodeck again. Like, I didn't <laughs> right. know it immediately, obviously, because they didn't, they didn't want us to know necessarily, but uh-huh. had to figure as soon as something went weird, some character was acting out of character. Uh-huh. Yeah. that. But this guy has an addiction. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, I, I'm I, I'm like, this guy has a holodeck addiction. Well, sure. I mean, because let's talk about it. The scene changes to a wooded meadow and Deanna changes to the goddess of empathy. <laughs> Cue a full on makeout session between Barclay and the goddess of empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is moving on to a full hollow addiction. It really is. And, yes. and that's, I mean, this isn't the first and only time that Star Trek will tackle the idea of addiction, I'm but it, it's really jumping into, into this world of like, okay, this is beyond normal. Like this mm-hmm. is, this is, there's something definitely deeper oh, here. Cause, cause every time basically this is his coping mechanism. Right. But mm-hmm. when, uh, I mean, they cover it later too. Like it's one thing to, to, uh, you know, blow off some steam in the holodeck. It's another <laughs> to like rely on it and let it interfere with your real life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's when addiction crosses. And that's addiction. I think of anything, mm-hmm. whether it's a substance or uh food or whatever, whatever addiction, a, a gambling, um, medications like what whatever it is when it crosses over and begins to affect your other life uh or your real life that that definitely um I, you know i think that's a warning sign uh mm-hmm. I, I think that's a warning sign i've i've worked with addiction a lot um with my own with my own stuff and the, and then you know just being in groups with other people and addictions addictions a sinister thing man it's a it really sin- and the be- the best definition i've ever heard of it and barclay actually says it later on in the episode and i'll probably reference back to it but is something that when you're in your right mind, you don't want to do it, but you wind up doing it anyway. Like your brain sure. says, I don't want this, but you wind up doing it anyway. And, and yeah. that is the power of addiction. That's what makes addiction so sinister. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, back in 10 forward, the real 10 forward, at least we think it is. Uh, Jordy is talking to Wesley data and a red shirt who happens to be wearing yellow. His name is Duffy. Jordy is telling them about his plan to draw out broccoli. Now, wait a minute. I mean, Barclay data data wonders why people are using this nickname since nicknames usually denote fondness to which Jordy puts an end to the name broccoli once and for all. Suddenly the glass that that old yellow shirt Duffy is wearing starts losing its molecular integrity and begins twisting on the inside, losing all of its liquid. Hmm, That's weird. Yeah, that certainly is weird. 
One other thought I had just before this too, sure. when, when he switched the program, right. And we learned he has at least 15 programs. Well, assuming he numbers them properly, right. <laughs> <laughs> but do we, I mean, like it's, it's kind of answered a little, not, not really answered the way I want it, but are your holodeck programs and your usage kept private? Well, the door is not locked. We know that from this yeah, episode. Yeah, that, right? that, that that's the bit that was kind yeah. of answered. Yeah, but at I would, the same time, I would I, say I would say it's. Do you remember back when we did the episode? Um, oh, it was it was the last episode of season one of Next Generation where they they meet the people from old Earth, like the people that were frozen, and yep. you know, and remember the guy goes over and like uses the button, and Picard's like, "Hey, this is only for ship's official business." And he's like, "Well, why don't you put like a passcode on it?" It's like. Because we have self-discipline. We don't need Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff anymore. I wonder if it might not be something similar like, yes, it's private, but anybody could get into it if they really, really wanted to. But we're supposed to show self-discipline so we don't go looking at other people's stuff. Like, I I don't I don't know the the definitive answer to that unless they get locked out with a passcode. But yeah, other than that, yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Cause yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so, especially some of the stuff that Barclay starts going into, it's like, mm-hmm. is, is this just all public knowledge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, and you haven't seen the half of what the, the holodeck is used for. I, I'm <laughs> sure. Just let your imagination run, Matt. Now you'll be right. You will be right. Hey, one, one quick thing, one quick production note. Did you note uh, the phrase that Barclay used when talking to Deanna in, in uh, the counselor's office? Mm. He knew about the flux capacitor. Oh, did you I, catch I, that? I didn't necessarily uh, catch that because mm-hmm. it, it gets worse the further we go into this episode. <laughs> but there is so much. Uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, techno babble. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So much techno babble. Yeah. In this episode. So the the flux capacitor. If you go back to the previous scene when Wesley was talking to him in, in engineering. It's mm-hmm. actually the flow capacitor. Okay. Um, now, I, Star Trek is pretty notorious for not letting people say the wrong word. They're not allowed to ad lib at all. So okay. it, the what I have read about this particular thing is, yes, it is a reference to Back to the Future. Yeah, of course but it is. But what he really was talking about was that quote unquote flow capacitor that Wesley had mentioned in the, yeah, in the, the yeah, deal before. Yeah, that, but anyway. that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Sure. I, I, I was, I'm sure I was concentrating on other things at the time, but yeah, right. that, like... I I fully understand the flux capacitor. Mm-hmm. Back to the Future is a great trilogy, but um, yeah, and that would have been actually quite timely too. It would have been, like, yeah. That would, yeah. They like, they would have just been making, I guess, Back to the Future two and three about the time this episode came out. Yeah, if memory serves right. So yeah, yeah, that would have been and what. And hey, if you've never seen Back to the Future, you should go see it. It actually hold. Back to the Future is one of those movies, Matt, that holds up really, really well to time. Uh, yes and no. I, I, oh, really? You gotta I, know, really. Well, well he, he, here's what I found. Uh huh. If you saw Back to the Future for the first time as a kid, uh huh. Yes, they hold up. Everybody who watched them as a kid loves them today. Uh huh. If you're watching them for the first time now, uh-huh. in, you know, 2010, 2020, whatever, as a, you know, 20 something, 30 something, uh-huh. I, I gen- generally people don't quite latch on as much. Really? Where are yeah. these people? Because I want to. Po- no, I'm not. I'm just joking. <laughs> anyway, hey, this is not about Back to the Future. That'll be our podcast we do after we're done with this one. <laughs> we have like 12 of those now. But exactly. Okay. Yeah. We'll just stack them. We'll, we'll just continue to stack them because I think anybody who does a podcast, they just start coming up with ideas for more and more podcasts. Anyway, hey, listen. 
that was a jam-packed first act. Let's get on to act number two. Yes, sir. Because that's as far as we are into this episode so far. Data is examining Duffy's glass. Doesn't seem to be a problem with the replicator where the glass came from. Maybe that it's come in contact with an unshielded power source? Crap. That means like having to check all 4,000 of them on the ship. Hey, I know. Let's put Reg on it. Funny enough, Reg says that he was going to check all the power sources anyway because he's still trying to figure out the anti-grav failure. Sherlock, I mean Data, surmises that somehow these two incidences may be connected. Hmm. What do you yeah. think? What do you think about Jordy saying, ah, here's this really crappy work. Oh, let's give it to Barclay. <laughs> I he it should be trying to get away from that attitude. Like that's so. the whole point of this. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, that would have been something in the first five minutes. If it happened of this episode, it's like, Oh yeah. Get to Barclay. Yeah. Keep him busy. Yeah. Keep him busy. Get him out of my hair. I don't want to do but it anyway. Yeah. I keep wondering, like I, I know running diagnostics can take a little bit of time, mm-hmm. but if, if most of them are being done by a computer, should it really take that long or be that tedious? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's an unshielded power source. Like, really? Yeah. Like, huh? It, it, yeah. Don't, 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 don't you? Don't, can't that be picked up by your scanners? Come you'd on. You think so, right? Like, you think so. <laughs> you could pinpoint the location of this thing. Right. Right. Even if there's 4,000 on the ship, like mm-hmm. something's going to be mm-hmm. weird happening out there. Anyway, up on the bridge, Jordi, Jordi and Data are telling Riker what they're about to do. Barclay is just happens to be there as well, standing awkwardly behind them. Picard comes over to ask if this is going to affect any of the available power for the mission. Barclay stumbles through the short answer of no, to which Park, Picard's trying to be encouraging, lets it all slip out. Good. <laughs> I look forward to seeing your report, Mr. Broccoli. Yes. Well, this just got awkward. <laughs> just like, I love how everyone just pauses and it's like, did he really, like everybody else is, like, did he really just say that? Right. And Picard's like, I just said that. Uh-huh. What do I do now? He never like, apologizes. I, I, he doesn't I, I, I acknowledge have, it. I, I've never been prepared. No one trained me for this. Right. What do I do now? Right. And Mr. Bar- Barclay just excuses himself. Mm-hmm. And in a further big laugh for me personally, yes. and this yes. is my best spot of the whole of the whole episode, Data begins to Android explain <laughs> Picard's mistake. But in a display of greater social awareness than Barclay has, Data shuts up and looks down at the big screen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he gets he gets a look from Picard and right. it's like okay. Okay. Like, I, he's got his hand I, up in the air, like as he's like motioning, you know, and he gets that look and he just pauses. And I'm going to look over here. Like, now. like honestly, if, if that didn't play out so well comedically, uh-huh. it shouldn't have happened that way. Right. Like data 100% from what we've seen mm-hmm. from his ability to pick up on human cues. Like the fact that like he didn't, he had to be told down 10 forward that, you know, calling him broccoli was a joke. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he, he can't even quite pick up on that yet. So for him to pick up on a, a look from Picard, to say shut up basically mm-hmm. you know stop don't don't finish that sentence mm-hmm. like data totally would have just ran through his explanation and then gone back to his job without even giving a second thought to how people reacted to it which hey i want to back up to that scene in 10 forward with data um mm-hmm. talking about the nickname piece 
I thought that was a really good, simple explanation, almost for describing bullying. Like mm-hmm. when when he when when he says, "Aren't nicknames meant to denote fondness?" And like broccoli is very clearly not a nickname that they're using to denote fondness. They are yeah. they're either making fun of him or they're or they're not, and that's not okay. Like like that's when it crosses over into being mean. And Matt, you'll particularly appreciate this. And everybody, take your drink for the Harry Potter reference for the episode. Earlier, just earlier tonight, as we're recording this, I was reading with my son um, a chapter from the fifth Harry Potter book, and it's the one. It's the one where it's called Snape's worst memory, oh, where Professor yeah. Snape is getting made fun of, mm-hmm. and and for the sake of spoilers, if anybody hasn't read it yet, though the book's like twenty years old, like so go read it. Um, but he was calling this person name, and he's like, and, and even my son picked up on it because he watched this episode with me earlier today. He's like, hey, he's not, he's not saying that because he likes him. <laughs> he's being mean and i'm like yeah the character is being mean isn't he that and it just i was going that's a that's a really great way to sort of define that i think and i i think it helps um it, it, i think it puts some things into clear into a little bit of clarity of of just saying hey when it's when it's not done in fondness it actually turns to, to bullying is really what yeah. they're doing uh, even that, if it's not to their that, face that's very true i mean you, you, you see that before in pop culture too where sure there will be a, a group of friends that has a nickname for one of their friends mm-hmm. and then new kid comes along and uses that name mm-hmm. and it's like no you don't get to call him that right and it's yeah, yeah. because he, he he's he's doing it essentially in a mean way making fun of them mm-hmm. when you know his his friends you know they're doing it fondly mm-hmm. but you, you you can see just the difference there between who who's using the name even it's it's because of how they intend it right 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 and again that goes back to my lifelong lesson it really doesn't matter what you do it's why you do it <laughs> anyway uh we won't get into that and 10 forward jordy is talking to guinan getting a little bar advice because apparently Jordy doesn't mind talking to anybody on the ship about his problems with one of his subordinates. Barclay just doesn't fit in here. He's weird. He's strange. Kind of reminds Guinan of her weird uncle. She liked her weird uncle. And that idea of just fitting in, it repels her. But Guinan, he's always late. He's always nervous. No one wants to be around him. Well, Guinan says, if no one wanted me around, I might be a bit late and nervous too. Message received. Jordy is off to find Barclay. Yeah, that... It's a fantastic line. Guinan always has a way of turning things around on you to make you see things differently. But right. So if you want to be right, don't go talk to Guinan. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way. Uh, But yes, I, 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 once again, I'm left wondering about Guinan's powers and abilities Mm -hmm. because she, she has this, well, he's imaginative, imaginative. Uh How do you know that? I know. I right. I know. And, and like she, she gives you that look, and it's like, okay, you really do know. But like, because w- uh-huh. before she even says he's imaginative, uh-huh. like she pauses for the second, like she doing mm-hmm. some sort of like telepathy thing, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, he, he he's got an imagination on him, right? Like, oh, oh interesting. You that you saw it that way. I was just going, oh, she knows what he does. And she was just pausing to go, okay, how can I say this? 
<laughs> that, 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 that that may be too, but yeah. th- then again, how does she know that? Well, maybe she uh, joined. A, I, don't, I mean, she's the bartender. <laughs> she knows everybody. She knows what everybody's into, right? But but she just serves him warm milk and walks away and leaves him alone. Like, that, that, that's, that, Listen, that was her extent that, of her that, relationship with him. Guinan never serves anybody anything and then walks away and leaves them alone. <laughs> she never does that. That's fair. So, well, let's move on with that. Outside the holodeck, because, of course, Barkley's back in the holodeck again. Jordy lets himself in on another man's program. Hope he's dressed. It's that same wooded meadow from before. This time, Jordy meets some familiar faces. Dr. Crusher and Wesley are having a picnic, wearing very period garb. Looks like they're out of some painting somewhere. And although I don't really know what period this is, he says he's looking for Master Barclay. When suddenly in the distance, Jordy spots Barclay with a rapier in each hand, besting the three musketeers who oddly look just like Data Picard and Jordy himself. And just as Barclay is about to run through the hollow Picard, Jordy clears his throat. And oh boy, this just got awkward again. Yeah. So this is where I started wondering, yeah, can just anyone interrupt your holodeck session? Apparently. Uh, I mean, I... I, I, I I kind of wonder yet to some extent because we we only see Jordy and Riker interrupt who are two, you know, like senior officers. Fair enough. So right. I think they would have a little higher access codes maybe. Uh-huh. But yeah, it just seems a little weird that you don't know what's going on in there and just anyone can open the door and walk in. Okay. I hope he's fully clothed. <laughs> yeah. Just just saying. I, no, I mean, but it, even if they have the access to be able to do that, I mean, doesn't propriety sort of dictate you don't do that? You would think so. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. they do I'm it twice you. in this episode. Yeah, to the that's same the, effect. That that that's my point. It's right. like I okay, right, right. Like they, they they didn't get some like they didn't hit a button and it's like warning PG thirteen. <laughs> right. Uh, and ten forward, bro- uh, broccoli. Barclay <laughs> is offering Jordy his request for transfer. Jordy doesn't really care what he does in the holodeck. Heck, he had his run with the holodeck as well. Jordy agrees to keep a secret. Barclay just needs to blow off some steam because mostly it's Jordy himself who's getting on his back. He's afraid all the time. He's going to forget someone's name, standing in the quarter, corner at parties, not really knowing what to do. Oh, Reg. You're just shy. Actually, Jordy, that's not it at all. You don't really know anything. But Jordy really does want to help, and he suggests and orders Barclay to make an appointment with Deanna. (laughs) Well, that's going to be awkward. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I. By the way, I just I have to say this. I hate the word shy used in this particular instance Um, because it it it, a lot of times people use the word shy to refer to somebody who is an introvert, Mm -hmm. which Barclay is definitely introverted here. Like he. He wants to spend time with himself and his fantasies. And and that's not even really the fully full extent of introverted, but being shy is not the same thing as being introverted. It's just not They're They're two very different ideas. I, I, can agree from experience. Yeah, right. Would you consider yourself an introverted person, Matt? A little bit. A little bit. I'm. I'm yeah, not. Very much so, actually. But yeah. When I say a little bit, I that, that's a little fussy. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not speaking for you. I know you fairly well at this point over the years we've known each other. And, yes. But but it's it's I, I I am not typically uh, naturally an introverted person. I tend to be on the more extroverted nature. But as part of that, 
all the closest people around me are introverts, sure. which is, which is just, I don't know if that's the way it works for, for a lot of people. I, I really don't. And I do notice as I get older, I'm becoming more introverted. I, I, I think it does to some extent because yeah. having as an introvert, mm-hmm. having extroverted friends allows you to maybe not be, but feel a little bit more normal mm-hmm. because th- those, those are the friends that will, you know, drag you to the party that you right. wouldn't necessarily go to. Uh-huh. But, you know, you, 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 it's not that you didn't want to go to the party. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're not going to go there by yourself. So, uh, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable sitting at home by myself. Right. I'll do that. Right. Unless I have this friend. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think there is something to that, that, that if you're, if you're an extrovert, like, yeah, you'll probably be surrounded by a few introverts. Just, just out of curiosity, your wife is, would you say she's more extroverted or is she more introverted? Intro. Intro. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, Penny, Penny is like my, my wife. She's like, she's, she's the extreme introvert. She, she just is. And sure. I love her. And she and I are amazing together. And, and, it, but she is not shy. Oh my gosh. She is not shy. That, that it's, it's I hate that word. And I, I, I would crusade against it to describe people who are introverted and Reg isn't shy. I don't think he's shy at all. He is socially anxious, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, it, it's, it, it's a different idea. It's a different thing. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. That's shy on more than one front is, is used as a generalization for mm-hmm. uh, just so many different, uh, we'll just go with terms mm-hmm. for, yeah. I, I, I don't know how to, how to group them all together, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I I, I would agree yeah. that shy is often misused. Yeah, because like here's the thing: the the whole thing where, and I'm I'm speaking this as an as an extroverted type person. When Barclay starts talking about, I, I go to the party and I stand in the corner trying to look comfortable talking to a potted potted plant. <laughs> I so relate to that because that's me. Like I go to those parties as an extroverted person and I don't know who to talk to. I don't know what I'm going to say. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 and it's so weird that a lot of times I wind up just sort of off to the side, not really saying or doing much. And, and that's me as an extrovert. Like that's being shy to me. Like is okay. a, is a, it, it's more of a lack of, of not knowing, but more of a, I don't really want to go, go talk. Cause I, I'm scared of what I'm going to say or something like that. Less introverted. Whereas a, Actually, I don't need to go talk to all those people like I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I want to be around, but anyway, um, we don't have to talk to that. But I just I'm just saying as an extroverted person, this is the line that I find myself relating to Barclay. And, okay. and, we'll, and we'll talk about relating, you know, the the how Barclay relates to people uh, and why I think he's so accessible uh, to, to fans in Star Trek, especially. But uh, to, to everybody, really. Hey, over in transporter room three, there's a problem, a big problem. It seems that objects aren't making it intact through the process. Go to commercial break and back from that to start act three. They just can't figure out why this transporter room alone is malfunctioning. The other ones are working just fine, but they need to figure it out within the next 22 hours because that's when they're going to arrive at that planet that they're going to that Picard told us about real early in the show. <laughs> Riker is off to the bridge and wants Barclay to join him there immediately. Jordy, finally showing some some propriety, tells Riker that, hey, Barclay's kind of tied up. Can we make it at 1,400 hours? Turns out Jordy didn't have to tell everybody on the ship Barclay's business. Barclay is meeting with Deanna in her office, and judging by his nervous nature, this time it's for real. It's okay if Barclay is a little nervous around her. He tries to appear confident when suddenly Deanna wants Barclay to lie back. 
you know, to get more comfortable. You do that, Barkley, while I turn off these lights and sit down unnecessarily close to you. Now repeat after me. Goosefraba. Oh, hey, this is for real. Hey, counselor, uh, that's helpful. Thanks so much. And uh, I'm leaving now. Thanks for the help. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a short visit. <laughs> I, did you, did, was there any part of you, like, when she started turning the lights down and kind of getting whatever that's like oh wait a minute wait a minute is this real or are we in the holodeck wait what's going I, on here I, was there any part of you that was wondering i i mean maybe a brief instant but uh-huh. i'm like no okay i got it they, 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 they already played us this scene they wouldn't play it again in the holodeck <laughs> right so this is the real thing and they're just gonna make it awkward mm-hmm. because I, I we knew it was gonna be I, I told you before as soon as he was ordered as mm-hmm. his commanding officer to go see uh, Counselor Troy, it's like, yeah, that that's going to be nothing but awkward because of his holodeck scene. There you go. Well, up on the bridge, Tor- Troy is reporting to Jordy. Hey, I just had a very interesting conversation with one of your people. Huh. Any care guesses as to who it is? <laughs> hey, it's 1400 hours. Riker wants to know where Barclay is. He's not on the bridge. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Barclay is back on the holodeck and Riker is pissed. He's headed off to get him. Storming off the bridge, as a matter of fact, uh, hey, Deanna, you and I should probably follow him, Jordy says. Down at the holodeck, Riker doesn't care what Barclay is doing. He's run out of patience. And again, he just barges into another man's hollow program where he finds the wooded meadow, the three musketeers, and the crushers. Riker is not impressed. I have to say, though, I I sincerely hope that the actors, the Star Trek actors, uh-huh had a blast playing these roles <laughs> right <laughs> it's it, it certainly feels like they are uh-huh. i mean so out of out of their star trek character mm-hmm. i don't know if it's similar to anything any other acting they've done over the years but i they, they it just feels like I, and maybe that's part of the reason you like the the holodeck is mm-hmm. like you get you get to get out of character you get to right. play a different character mm-hmm. yeah so it's, yeah it, it's fun to see like i i mean to see like picard and da- data in particular not being so androidish uh-huh right and yeah the, the musketeers picard data and jordy mm-hmm. just kind of joking around laughing and having fun it's right like awesome right Hey, uh, something I should mention to you, though, Matt, uh, something that I don't think you've seen and I don't think we're going to see it, but you should just know this about Picard. One of the, so you remember like you see him uh, doing the sword fencing thing. Mm -hmm. One of Picard's hobbies on the show is actually fencing Hmm. and we see him in fencing matches like from time to time. Like he's, he's got the, the mask and the, they're, they're doing going back and forth. So just so you know, that's a, that's a thing for Picard. So so is Patrick Stewart actually, that's a good question. I don't know that. Like (laughs) I I would, I I would imagine he is just on the simple fact of he is a Shakespearean stage actor. Okay. And I don't know that you can do too many Shakespearean stage actors yeah, without taking without some fencing classes, you know? Sure. So that makes sense. Well, act four. Hey, did I mention that Riker is not impressed with this holodeck program? Mm-hmm. It's against protocol to simulate members of the crew on the holodeck. <laughs> okay. Not really, but it I should love be. how he just makes up rules on the spot. It's <laughs> right. like, you can't do this. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> he wants this program deleted and erased, but Troy belays that order saying that if Barclay is having trouble dealing with reality, 
Leading this program would be cruel and unusual. Riker. Thing, they, hmm? Go ahead. It's a good thing they don't have a very uh, uh, quick processor on this computer. Johnny on the spot, yeah. Yeah, it would have been gone. Or just control Z, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess they just send it to the, you know, yeah, to the trash can. Uh-huh. And you can re- recover from the trash can. There you go. There you go. Riker, humphs. And the three musketeers start to berate Riker a little bit, calling him yellow. Finally, they call for a more fitting adversary. And out of the woods runs a fourth musketeer, a diminutive replica of Riker. Hey, Riker is seriously not impressed. <laughs> but we are. <laughs> I love the voice modulation for him in this one as yep. well. <laughs> Once again, this is uh, Barkley's... What I say, not impersonation, um, but impression. Yeah, however he he pictures them in his head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Riker is actually very clear. I mean, he's a very tall guy. So the idea that that he's going to make him a small little guy. I mean, Troy Troy even mentions it right after that. It's like you you are very tall. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of that, Deanna chides Riker for taking this all so seriously. After all, a healthy fantasy life is great as long as it doesn't take over your regular life. Deanna is all for this until she comes across the goddess of empathy. (laughs) Deanna is not impressed. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Turn the tables. 180. Right. Right. It's all fun and games until it's about you. Mm-hmm. Up on the bridge, it's business as usual for about two seconds until a strange noise occurs. The ship has just jumped to warp 7.25, but everything's okay. We're back to warp 7. It seems the matter-antimatter injector is locked up for a moment, but we're all good now. Picard de La Forge, what's going on? I don't know, Captain. I'm in the holodeck right now. Not engineering, <laughs> but uh, if you need me to, I'll head over there right now. I should say so, Mr. LaForge. Your holodeck activities can wait. Oh, and you should consult Mr. Barclay on this, too. All right, that's it. LaForge is getting in trouble, and he's not impressed anymore, either. They move around a little bit, and eventually they find Barclay in the next meadow over, napping, lying in the lap of a holodeck Dr. Crusher. Yeah. So. Awkward. <laughs> I guess my biggest gripe with this this whole thing uh-huh. is, okay, they have to search him out. They know he's in the holodeck somewhere. And like you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. like, yeah, they, they, they could be miles apart, uh-huh. even though they're only three feet apart or whatever. Right. But like, I, I'm okay with all that. Riker tried to take it to an extreme right off the bat and just delete the program. Right. But if you're, if you're in a time sensitive situation and you really need to find this guy, mm-hmm. instead of having to actually hunt through the program, right. Couldn't you just stop the program and then he'd be there in the room next to you? Like I, <laughs> that, that, that seems like the more logical situation to you yeah. and, and it, it wouldn't, you know, destroy his program. That mm-hmm. would still be there. He could use it later. It, everything's still intact. You just end the program so you can find the guy in the room and and go on with your life there you go that's that makes a whole lot more sense doesn't it i I would think so it didn't seem so complicated to me there you go (laughs) but that would have robbed us of a few good precious moments here on the holodeck with these guys fair enough However, they're not in the holodeck anymore. We get a walk and talk with Barclay and Jordy. Jordy really wanted to help Barclay to get some real help from a real counselor. But Barclay returned to the holodeck. Barclay says he just couldn't help himself. It's those people that are inside the holodeck, they're more real to him than people in the real world. Look, Jordy gets it. He fell in love in the holodeck once, but he knew when it was time to turn it off. And Reg just might be able to write the book on hollow addiction. Jordy tells him he needs to get him out here and he needs him more than ever. Barclay says, 
suggest dropping out of warp back in engineering while they check the injectors. It turns out the injectors are physically jammed as the ship jumps to warp nine. The antimatter is out of control and they really need Barclay out here in the real world now. So one, do we ever actually get the story of Jordy falling in love in the holodeck? We do. Grab your pen, Matt, because I'm going to give you an extra viewing episode. All right. It's called Booby Trap. All right. And and it's exactly what you just heard. Jordy goes into, I, into the holodeck, creates a somebody, and falls in love with that person. And I, uh, I kind of figured we yeah. we did because yeah. last time I asked a question like that uh, with Riker and Riker and oh, Q, oh, right? Yeah, Riker and Q. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like he was going to join. Like, do we get that story? And like, yep. yep. Like, I, I I'm glad they. I I'm actually very very glad that they don't. As far as I've seen so far throw lines out like they're like this happened mm-hmm. to me once and it's not just it is a reference to an old episode it's mm-hmm. not something i'm telling you about my past but you have other than me telling you this one line here you know nothing mm-hmm. about it right right no i'm i'm with you on that I, it's i wouldn't say that all of these episodes necessarily carry over one from the other and have further effects but the fact that they do reference back to themselves um yeah. you know it's it certainly uh, it is certainly helpful. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's actually it's a it's a decent episode. And by the way, just so you know, a character trait about Jordy LaForge, mm-hmm. he's horrible with the ladies. Well, he, he is just well, horrible with hey, the ladies. Hey, like you were saying, yeah, it was like he was trying to ask Barkley out on a date. And if that's yeah. how awkward he is about it, then yeah. I understand. Yeah, LaForge, <laughs> LaForge has that's all. That's a whole running thread. Like like maybe we go back and do like individual character you know sets of character yeah. episodes or something and and you know when you watch those with jordy jordy jordy's jordy's not the slickest guy he, he's just not so mm-hmm. uh anyway which makes me love him all the more <laughs> hey act five the enterprise has 15 minutes before it starts tearing itself apart tensions are high in engineering everyone is yelling and reg just begins working slower and slower They can't figure out the connection between everything that has been going wrong on the ship. Picard orders the Enterprise to prepare for emergency saucer separation, but that's unadvisable. It could rupture the warp field, and apparently that would be bad. Back in engineering, Barclay suggests the problem may not be systemic. It may actually be one of them. The only thing that all of these issues have in common is that we all work on them. Duffy, that guy, he was present for the glass incident and the anti-grav failure. O'Brien was there for the anti-grav failure and also in the transporter room malfunction. And it takes all of 34 seconds for Jordy to narrow down 15,000 plus options to one. And they're off to the cargo bay for confirmation of their working theory. Yep. Except I, I was trying to think... Mm-hmm. because i had a problem with it here do they ever run on the enterprise <laughs> um, or even jog when they don't have to talk yeah because the, the, jordy and barkley mm-hmm. like we only have five minutes before this ship is going to be torn apart mm-hmm. and everybody's gonna die mm-hmm. but we're just gonna power walk to the cargo bay mm-hmm. hey wait a minute we've got two working transporter rooms how about we just beam ourselves <laughs> over to one of those to, to, to beam ourselves a- over real anything quick. yes yeah. there, are, there, there are so many other things to do but but no like there's zero senses of urgency here it's just mm-hmm. we're gonna stroll down the hallway like we always do mm-hmm. yeah we're on our way captain don't worry don't mm-hmm. worry we'll, we'll get there plenty of time. we only have like three and a half minutes by the time we get there but 
we'll get there. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of that, in the cargo bay, Barclay and LaForge have three and a half minutes when they confirm their theory. They'll have to freeze the injectors, which should neutralize the invidium, which is the thing that's causing everything to go haywire. But they may not get the injectors working again. But hey, at least they're going to be alive. Cue the action sequence with a thrilling score. 45 seconds, 30 seconds, 25 seconds. Hey, we fixed it. Crisis averted. Thanks to Mr. Barclay. On the bridge, Barclay enters and stands in front of the entire bridge crew to make his amends. It seems he is leaving them. He wants to thank them for their support. Jordy says he'll always be welcome there, and that's why it'll be so difficult for him to leave. Well wishes all around, and then, computer, end program. Erase all files under Reginald Barclay, except program nine. I like program nine. Let's keep that one around, huh? That's good. The end. So, I, I they wrapped up the story. Fine. Mm-hmm. When when he was saying goodbye, mm-hmm. I did not expect that to be holodeck. Uh-huh. I fully expected him at that point to be a one and done character. Right. I I, I could see the, the the bridge members saying those things, mm-hmm. especially if they knew he was leaving, whether they fully believed them or not. Mm-hmm. It's like. Yep. Okay. You're, you're on your way. You're out of my hair. Now you're, you're someone else's problem. Mm-hmm. Even though we are trying to, you know, get away, <laughs> prove everybody else wrong. And it's like, no, he's not the problem. But yeah. So that, that, that left me with a question. Then when it, we found out was on the holodeck, it's like, is he leaving or is he not? Is he just practicing what he's going to say? Cause then like cut to mm-hmm. black and I'm like, I, but you didn't answer, and so you you answered that for me though. Like mm-hmm. he's he stays around for a while. Yeah. Um, do do we know what program nine was? Because I think no. You, you, you get you gave me the number before I cut because I knew we, he he mentioned one number earlier, but yeah, yeah. I think you said that was fifteen. Was 15, yeah, the the wooded meadow was program fifteen. Okay. Yeah. We, we I, I kind of wonder if, if it was that one. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. Just like save save that one that we've seen, but yeah. no. Okay. No. It's it's mystery program. Right. Got it. Well, and he he's got that wry smile to him uh-huh. as he walks. I like, I like that program. Let's keep that one. So. Uh, well, Matt, I mean, that's it. That's the episode. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I give you a chance. Any kind of final thoughts as we as we wrap up this episode? That's about oh, it. They're all out there. Well, I got one production note for you, uh, and it's not really a production note, but it kind of it, it relates to this episode. And this was the one I was saying I was going to save. Yeah. When this episode first aired, a lot of Trek fans, Matt, as you might imagine, a lot of Trek fans felt that this episode was directed at them, <laughs> at the stereotypical Trekkie, you know? Okay. Um, and, and a lot of fans were very, very much offended at the idea because they felt like this was a satire of themselves by the production. But the hmm. entire production crew has vehemently denied this. That was not what they were going for. That's not what they wanted to be. That's not who they're trying to represent. They were actually working towards this hollow addiction idea and writing a specific role for Dwight Schultz to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's telling that so many Trek fans find themselves in Barclay, at least a little bit, uh, myself yeah. included, that, I, that I've already talked about that. Um, and by the way, that line about standing in the corner at a party trying to feel comfortable talking to a potted plant, that is a direct line that Michael Pillar told one of the writers, Ira Stephen Bear, when Ira first came on staff with the show. Huh. He just remembered that line and pulled that line and put it in the in the episode. Nice. Um, so anyway, I don't know if I don't know what that does for you. The idea that that, you know, quote unquote, Trekkies felt stereotyped and and felt um, I don't know if represented is the word satired, I guess, yeah. as a part of this episode. 
All right, Matt. Well, I, I guess with that, um, that's going to do it for us. So uh, did you like this episode? Is this an episode you'd watch again? Do you understand why we put this into our repertoire here for Beam Me Up Pod? <laughs> I, th- I think one reason is you explained it pretty well right there with everybody relating to the episode. Sure. But yeah, I, I, I mean, addiction, it's a big thing. Uh-huh. Mental health, it's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, yeah, everybody needs help at some point. There you go. And hey, if you need help, get help, guys. Seriously, get help. But yeah, and oh, by the way, we also meet Reginald Barclay. That's true. Which too. which is a character that you need to know. Like <laughs> since he, since he is recurring, yes. it's, it's good to meet yes. him. Yes. And I would, and honestly, because you know, the last time we did one of these, hey, let's watch this episode just so we can meet the character. It was the Loxana mm-hmm. uh, episode. Um, this episode is better. Thank you. And I think if you had to compare the two characters of which one you have to know for the story of Star Trek more, honestly, yeah. I think it's, and this could be debatable among a lot of Star Trek. Hey, you guys have thoughts on that? Email us. Go over to beamuppod.com and, and shoot us in an email. Um, I, but I think honestly, arguably Reginald Barclay is, is the more important character to know um, for lots of lots and lots and lots of reasons. So okay. Matt, you still got that pen in your hand for some extra viewing because I got two more I want to hand you. All right. All right. Uh, next extra view, extra viewing. There's an episode called Tin Man, T-I-N, Tin Man, which actually deals with some pretty weighty uh, message material. We'll we'll cover that same material later in a different episode, which is why it's not part of this, but sure. still a very good episode uh, to watch. It, it's a, it's a thinking man's episode, but then another one, Matt, I'm going to give you another Loxana Troy episode oh that boy. we are not going to watch though. It's called menage Troy. <laughs> 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 and if you do want to watch this episode, uh, you know, the Ferengi, we keep talking about the Ferengi. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll, you'll meet the Ferengi in this episode. All right. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll get a picture of what they are. Loxana is back, but the, the big thing that you need to know that happens in the world of star Trek is at the end of that episode, and I'm going to tell you this because you need to know it for the next episode we're actually going to watch for this show. At the end of that episode, Wesley gets promoted from acting ensign to full ensign, fulfilled wow. commission yeah. ensign. Seems quick, but maybe, maybe I, I mean, we've skipped a lot of episodes. We guys skip, yeah. I mean, it's been, I mean, this is the end of the third season. So it's been almost three years for, yeah. for, for Wesley. I guess, so, I guess that makes sense. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he is promoted to full field field commission. I think it, I think this was another episode where he was trying to get into the Academy and it, it didn't work out for one reason or another. And so Picard's like, yeah, screw waiting on the Academy. I'm just going to make you feel instant. And so he's, he's in, you will see him going forward in a full Starfleet uniform now. Okay. Just so you know. So, uh, so that doesn't throw you off. All right. Now you're ready for the next episode that we're going to do here. Yes, sir. All right, Trekkies. This is a big one. This is the one you guys have all been waiting for. <laughs> oh boy. That we're doing the final episode of season three, the best of both worlds. Part one. Now on this show, typically whenever there's a part one, part two, part three, whatever, we're going to watch them all together as one unit. We're not going to do that this episode. And I have very specific reasons. We'll discuss it. However, I'm also going to give you a rule and I want to be very strict with this rule, Matt. Okay. You are not allowed to watch episode two until after we record your reactions to episode one. Okay. All right. Did, did you say this was the last episode of the season? This is the last episode of the season. Yes. It's part two, the first episode of the next season. It is. It is. That's just mean on their part. It is. It's, it's, and it's mean on my part to make you do this, but I'm going to do this to you <laughs> because you did this to our friend Josh over at Tales from Godric Hollow. So I'm doing yeah. it to you. Dang it. Uh, but you'll, you'll, you'll get why when it's all said and done, but it's, I need your reactions to the end of episode, to the end of part one, 
well, before I, I, we I get mean, to part two. It, it happened to everybody else watching it live, so it might as well happen to me. Well, it did. And we'll talk about that even more uh, next I'm week sure when, we, when we get into that. So uh, with Matt, I, I guess that's going to do it for this week's episode here at Beam Me Up Pod. Why don't you tell the folks out there where they can find you on the internet? Uh, you can always find me over on Twitter at as a matter of met. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen live across all the social medias. And as Matt did such a great job at the beginning of the show, reminding you, you can find the show on the web at beamme You get all of our contact information for the show over there as well. Send us in emails. Did I skip too many episodes in season three? Do you want to pitch episodes for season four? Well, that's the best way to do it. Well, guys, listen, uh, that's going to do it for this week. So we'll see you next time. Best of both worlds. Part one. Live long and prosper.